somewhere in the bowels of Health Canada, there's somebody who thinks that enjoying vaping is morally wrong or ethically wrong or unacceptable, that we can't allow people to actually enjoy vaping. They want to make vaping deliberately disgusting. That's the only explanation I can find for the way that they're behaving. Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. We've got Dr. John Oyston here today to talk flavor bans in Canada. Dr. Oyston, thanks for coming back on the show. You're very welcome. So here we are in 2022. The last time that we had you on the show to talk flavor bans was in June. How far have we gone over the precipice or have things pulled back a little bit considering that Health Canada did host that webinar late last year that did provide a little bit of hope? I think there's a lot of stuff that's still up in the air. There are still a lot of legal cases that have to be decided. There's, uh, I think, a challenge to the new Brunswick ban. And I think Health Canada may be beginning to see the light and beginning to see some of the pressure that vaping bans are just crazy and illogical. So I think it would be very foolish of Health Canada to proceed until they know what's going to happen to the legal challenges to vaping bans in the provinces. And the whole vaping ban thing is the most ridiculous idea of all time, I think. I, I listened to a whole webinar from the Ontario Tobacco Research Unit on why we have vaping bans or why we think it's a good idea. And at the end of it, I'm thinking, no, okay, we're concerned about the number of teens who vape, although in fact, it seems like the number of teens vaping in both Canada and the United States has probably peaked yeah, and it's probably on the downswing now. But nevertheless, okay, it's a fair thing to be concerned about. So we have laws that say it's illegal to provide vaping products to kids who are under 18 federally, 19 in some provinces, 21 in PEI. So why don't we just enforce those laws? Why do we need to invent other laws when we already have a law to say effectively that teenage vaping is illegal? Nobody can sell or provide vape to teenagers. So let's enforce that rule. But for some reason, instead of doing that, they want to go this flavor ban route. Now, this is just completely crazy. So people say 90% of kids or 95% or 98% of kids who vape use flavors. Yeah, that's pretty much true in the same way that the vast majority of people who drink alcohol drink flavored alcohol, whether it's wine flavored alcohol or hop flavored alcohol or you know, lemonade flavored alcohol. It's part of what makes alcohol attractive. When you say that 95% of kids vape with flavors, that doesn't mean that 95% of kids would stop vaping if flavors weren't available. And the flip side of it is you also have to look at what's happening to adult smokers. And the evidence here is quite clear that in the early days of vaping and people who just transitioned from smoking to vaping, people tended to like tobacco flavors. They wanted something that was familiar. But then very quickly, smokers started to realize that they reason they were quitting smoking is they didn't like the taste and smell of tobacco and so they wanted something different and, and so even people who smoked and are switching to do vape are now much preferring uh, dessert fruit flavored uh, totally unrelated to tobacco flavors and that's great because once they get away from exposure to tobacco flavors that actually makes them less likely to relapse to smoking the sooner you get used to uh, something that is, I don't know, mango, strawberry or vanilla or whatever, the quicker you begin to hate tobacco and you don't want to have that smell on your clothes, you don't want to have that smell in your house. So the flavors are an important part of helping adult smokers to switch to vaping. 
The other thing is, while vaping provides many of the things that cigarette smokers are used to and like, it's not a perfect match. It's not a perfect substitute. But if you can give them something that's pleasurable in vaping that they didn't get from cigarette smoking. So I have a friend, for example, her favorite cereal at breakfast was Fruit Loops when she was a kid. And so she now vapes Fruit Loops flavor vapes as an adult. And that takes her to a happy place. And that substitutes for some of the things that she misses about cigarette smoking. And that's entirely fair. And the idea that if we're going to allow flavors to exist, the flavors we're going to allow to exist are tobacco and menthol, it's crazy because those are the flavors that are least likely to help adult smokers switch away from smoking. And they're also the ones I think, and there's a little bit of evidence on this, that are most likely to encourage teens to switch from from vaping to smoking. So if you have a teen that's vaping a fruit flavor, to go from that to cigarette smoking, that's a huge leap. But if you have a kid who the only vape he can buy legally is tobacco flavor, then I think it's reasonable to think that he would say, well, I'm vaping tobacco anyway, let's smoke tobacco. So if you were going to allow two flavors, to my mind, you should allow strawberry mango and vanilla ice or lemonade or something. The idea that the only two flavors we're going to allow is menthol and tobacco is completely crazy. And I, I can't understand how anyone thinks otherwise. And based on the actual language in the proposed regulations, Health Canada is adamant that those flavors that would be allowed must be disgusting, basically. It's, it's, they can't be sweetened with any kind of sweetener, and uh, the more disgusting, the better, in their mind. Yeah, I, I, exactly. I, mean, I think somewhere in the bowels of Health Canada, there's somebody who thinks that enjoying vaping is morally wrong or ethically wrong or unacceptable, and that we can't allow people to actually enjoy vaping. Uh, because that's the only explanation I can think of. They, they want to make vaping deliberately disgusting and they're removing all sweetness. So, I mean, first of all, it's important to realize that tobacco flavored vape doesn't actually contain tobacco, right? It only contains artificial flavors and it needs a sweetness to create a tobacco flavor. And if you're going to ban the sweeteners, then I think it's 85% of all vape juice is gonna to have to be reformulated. And tobacco flavored vape isn't really a very good substitute for tobacco to begin with. And it's gonna be even worse if you take the sweeteners away. So it's crazy. Well, let's dive into that just a hair, a hair more. Yeah. Somebody deep down in the bowels of Health Canada believes that vaping, enjoying the pleasure, the activity, is is maybe immoral i i think so i mean i think that's the only explanation i can find for the way that they're behaving that they don't can't get the concept that we could actually have a medicine for smoking cessation which is also actually enjoyable and we've known that for a long time in medicine you know mary poppins a spoonful of meds so a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down you know, cough medicine has cherry flavor, which I personally hate. Um, you know, throat lozenges are flavored with honey. So in medicine, we understand that sometimes to make a medicine acceptable and palatable, you have to give it an artificial flavor. That's logical, that, that, that's logical. And, and I don't know why we have a hard time accepting that the same thing applies to vaping. Yeah, um, what strikes me as very disturbing is the fact that 
if these regulations were to go into effect as they currently are right now, that the government, Health Canada, would be involved in, you know, monitoring our sensory perceptions. Yeah, the whole thing is weird. What is it, the synesthetic appreciation of the vape or something? Yeah, so people are having a lot of fun with this and saying that, you know, there's going to be a new career structure for vape sommeliers within Health Canada who are going to be having to sample thousands of different brands of vape to find out which ones are adequately disgusting and unpleasant to be allowed on the market. And I mean, it's kind of an amusing thing to play with, but it's really a totally counterproductive and a, a huge waste of taxpayers' money. The idea that tobacco flavor is unflavored is, is a complete misapprehension because you know, vapes are tobacco free. They don't have any tobacco flavor unless you add it. And what you add is artificial tobacco flavor. So uh, if somebody thinks that tobacco flavor is synonymous with unflavored, they're just completely misinformed. Dr. Oist and I have the ITC uh, study uh, up here, which is University of Waterloo, which normally is a is a local as a locus of, of a lot of pain for vaping. But they had some good research that was out here. Walk us through what this is. Okay, so this was an international study in which they asked people who currently vape how they would respond to a ban on flavored vapes. And so that's a, a very logical question to ask. And if you think about it, there are basically five ways you can respond to this. First of all, you can do exactly what people hope and just say, okay, if I can't get, I don't know, mango flavored vape, I'm just gonna quit vaping and I'm not going to smoke, smoke cigarettes. And apparently 13% of people say that they would do that. And so from the people, you know, from the point of view of public health and kids not vaping, 13% was is what you get out of a flavor ban. Then the second thing they can do is they could switch to flavors that are legal. So in many times when they're banning other flavors, they're still allowing menthol and tobacco flavor. And so they say 29% of people will do that. That to my mind, is a very small public health disadvantage because I'm concerned that people who switch to tobacco or menthol flavor are less likely to quit cigarettes and more likely to relapse into cigarette smoking. So I think those 29% have been done a small disservice. Then you have the option that some people say they will circumvent the regulations one way or another. They'll either make their own or they'll buy some black market product. And that's 28%. And that's a real severe danger. If people just go into uh, their basement or their kitchen or their workshop or whatever and get random things that have flavors that they like and start throwing that into their vape juice, that's a recipe for disaster. Equally, the black market is a recipe for disaster. We have to remember that the Evali, the lung injuries, were caused by black market THC products that were laced with vitamin E. So as soon as you start getting people making black market stuff, then... You know, you're basically dealing with criminals and criminals aren't going to care anything about public health. Then you get some people say, well, if I can't actually vape with a vape that I like, I'm going to switch to tobacco. And that's 17%. So that's a huge disaster, right? To get people who, who have actually switched to vaping and have them switch back to tobacco. You know, they've multiplied their risk 20 fold. It's a public health disaster. So in this study, just to be clear, 17% of the people said they would respond by switching to tobacco, which is more than the 13% who said that they would quit vaping and quit smoking both. So overall, this is harming more people than it's doing good. Uh, there are also 13% of people who said they didn't know. But uh, to my mind, faced with a survey like this, 
it's kind of impossible to understand how anyone would say, okay, so the vaping bans are a good idea. They're going to really help people and we should go ahead with them. It, I don't understand how you can get from this data to the idea that vaping bans should be supported. Well, what's quite stunning about that is it only really confirms, in my mind, uh, what Health Canada put in the actual impact analysis that they had for this these potential regulations. And that is, I think, almost a quarter of the current vapors Health Canada expects that they will go back to dual use or back to tobacco totally. Yeah, well, this study is is the latest and the most international, and it's a fairly large study. I think there have been at least two studies before, I think one in the States and one in the UK, which came across broadly similar conclusions that a vape flavor ban would perhaps persuade some people to quit smoking and to quit vaping. But in general, people would find a way to circumvent the ban, perhaps going through illegal processes or backstreet processes or kitchen, you know, making stuff in their own kitchen. Uh, and a bunch of people would switch from vaping back to cigarette smoking. So. There is very little evidence that this is going to do good. And out of places that have tried it, like San Francisco and I think Nova Scotia, there's good evidence that it actually does harm, that it sends people back to cigarette smoking in real life, uh, and that it creates a very healthy black market. So I'm very hopeful that Health Canada will eventually see the light and just see that, you know, there, there's no conceivable way that what they're doing can end up being a public health benefit. It very well could be a public health disaster. Absolutely. Now, do you think, and you kind of intimated it, uh, to it a little bit earlier in the interview, was that Health Canada may actually be not only feeling the pressure, but reacting to it? It's so hard. Health Canada is a bit of a black box, but certainly uh, you were talking about the webinar that, that Maria organized uh, with some representatives from Health Canada. And they were certainly quite a lot on the defensive. They didn't say very much in the whole thing, um, partly because you know, there are current legal processes that are underway, so perhaps they can't. Um, but very much you got the idea that they were backpedaling and delaying, and you know, they were saying you know, that this isn't going to be something that's going to be happening early in the new year. So it gave the overall impression that they were beginning to have second thoughts about this, and it was interesting because they were being asked a lot of very specific, very direct, very precise questions by people who are vaping. You know, and particularly, their whole modeling was based on the idea that vaping was, I think, five times safer than cigarette smoking instead of 20 times safer than cigarette smoking. And they were being challenged on that, and they didn't really respond to that challenge because they can't, because... This is basically a random figure that five unnamed scientists um, who aren't actually toxicologists produced out of thin air that has no basis in science. So that their whole modeling of the risks and benefits of the flavor ban is based on a piece of nonsense. And I think they're beginning to realize that people have noticed that. Yeah, and that's uh that is a shame because it, you know, it's the big takeaway. The the idea that less Canadians will die because of the flavor ban, meaning that people die because of vaping. And so the less vaping, therefore the less people die and the, the, that's the benefit is that that's the cost benefit that Health Canada has got in there. Yeah, and I mean, this whole concept, like people keep on saying that vaping is a gateway to cigarette smoking. 
And I don't deny that people who experiment with vaping will also cigarette experiment with cigarette smoking. If you're a kind of adventurous, rebellious, investigative teenager, and a lot of them are, um, you're going to mess with things. But if you look at what's actually happening, particularly in the States where they have better statistics, you know, the rate of teen vaping was going like, sorry, the rate of teen cigarette smoking was going like this. And as the kids started vaping, it's gone like this. And clearly if vaping was really a gateway to cigarette smoking, the graph that had been going like this would now have an uptick and be going like this. And it just isn't. And I keep on telling people who say that cigarette, that vaping is a gateway to cigarette smoking, show me the real life evidence. Show me the fact that, you know, when you know, some figures say as many as 30% of teens in the States were vaping, where is the effect of this on cigarette smoking rates? Because it's not there. In fact, the opposite is there, that, that since teens have started vaping, they've stopped smoking, which is a huge health benefit to them. People who are against vaping say, we know, don't know the long-term risks of vaping. So my comeback to that is, we don't know the long-term risks of the COVID vaccines either. We know a heck of a lot more about the long-term response of the body to vaping than we do about the long-term response to the of the body to the COVID vaccines. But in both cases, we know exactly what's in these products. And we have sufficient similarities between these products and previous products that we can predict pretty accurately exactly what's going to happen. And in both cases, the alternative is something that's going to kill literally millions of people. So you have to balance a absolute certain risk of millions of people dying with the very, very small possibility that maybe there is some risk in the COVID vaccine or there is some risk in vaping that we haven't noticed or we haven't worked out yet. Yeah, but given in both cases, the fact that millions of people have had the COVID vaccine without problems and millions of people are vaping without problems, we can be pretty sure that both the COVID vaccine and vaping are safe and that they're effective ways to treat a condition which kills millions of people.